everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today I am joined by new Mish fam leader and friend, William Albert. Will, how you doing? Good. Good, man. <laughs> uh, so, dear listener, you might hear some clicking, or if you are watching this on YouTube, because, yes, uh, we are actually recording this video so you can see two dudes just sitting chatting uh, on YouTube. So, you might hear some more clicks than normal, so I apologize for that, but um, I'm on a budget. I work 20 hours a week at minimum wage, so that's, this is just how it is. It's just how it is. Uh, so, Will, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, we are doing a chat with, so if you're up for it, let's dive right in. And again, now, see, I'm so used to just not having a camera that I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I'm looking away from the camera the whole time because uh, I'm looking for the questions that I <laughs> sent you because I'm a professional and prepared. It's uh, <laughs> so like, I, I was just totally ready for this. Um, Sorry, wow, that took a while. Uh, Will, my good man, can you share a bit about your testimony with us today? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess as most uh, Christian cliche testimonies, I should say uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, um, grew up going to church my whole life. Right on. Um, and I remember when I was about... Uh, eight years old, um, I kind of had this, um, this dream that, um, I was going to go to the Olympics and that I was going to do gymnastics and I was going to like, you know, win a gold medal. And I woke up from this dream, not thinking that this was just like a normal, regular dream. I was thinking that this was kind of like God's purpose and plan for my yeah. life. Um, and this was actually shortly after I had seen the Olympics on TV. So they kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and at first I wasn't sure what to make of it. I thought, you know, maybe this, this might not be anything. This might just be like a normal dream. But um, God seemed to confirm that dream mm -hmm. of mine. And um, yeah, it, it really was um, my belief that that was God's plan for my life. Um, and it's funny, that age, around that age, was also the age that I accepted Christ. I had been going um, to church, and I accepted Him at a pretty, pretty young age, um, at around the age of eight. Nice. Um, and yeah, I just, I just understood what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I kind yeah. of understood um, what Christ had done for me, and I didn't feel like it was my parents kind of being like, you should do this, this is a good thing. It was kind of like my own choice your faith yeah. was your own you weren't yeah. just inheriting your parents yeah exactly yeah yeah and um i guess i'll touch on that a little bit later but i think that f my faith journey i had a lot of growing to do from the first time that you say those words of you know god i want you to be my lord and savior i want to mm -hmm. follow after you there's a long road that comes after that right like it's not <laughs> you know it's not just uh jesus I'm in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although it can it can feel like that at sometimes, yeah, yeah. like you know where where people present it to you as you know all you do is say this prayer and you're in. Yeah. But then you know that there's the, the flip side of it too, right? Of well, living the life exactly. And I wouldn't ever say like if you've said the prayer that doesn't mean you're not saved, but that doesn't mean you've grown since. Mm -hmm. Like there's the long road, the ongoing beautifully painful sanctification process mm. 
that doesn't ever really seem to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So continue. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. It was great. Um, continuing off of that, um, you know, I, I really felt like, um, you know, I had a plan, I had a purpose, I had mm-hmm. a vision, and um, you know, I had accepted Christ, um, and so just kind of fast forwarding a little bit. Um, I remember I went to a junior high convention um, when I was probably about 13. So like right around the time that I was starting high school. Um, And I remember having just like this significant um, moment with God and kind of encountering God um, during one of the worship times that they had at this conference. Nice. Um, And I remember um, just hearing him tell me that um, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, I'm going to be a pastor. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be like a, you know. Gold medalist. I want to be a, yeah, I want to be a gold medalist. Because let's be honest, a gold medalist yeah. is way cooler than a pastor. It, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or silver medalist or bronze. Or, not knocking y'all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Any medalist, yeah. in my mind, yeah. is cooler than being a pastor. Well, and, yeah. And, uh, when was this, if you don't mind my asking? Like, uh, this was when I was 13. So, uh, or like early nineties or I, I actually yeah. don't know how old you are. Yeah. Were, so. I'm 27. Oh, wow. So, I'm older than you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 27. <laughs> yeah. So this was like probably early two thousands. So at that point, the only like cool pastor was like Billy Graham. Yeah. There hadn't, there hadn't been the celebrity pastor culture yeah. that's evolved since 2000 where you had your Mark Driscoll's who's not as cool now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, still like the dude, but let's just, or sure. the Chandlers or the large, like, man, they're awesome. The Stephen Furtick's of the world and those types of yeah. people. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It was definitely a different, um, a different time as far as maybe the mega church, yeah. you know, single leader type model. Um, they cut it. I, I, I'm assuming it had been around, but it wasn't as prominent, especially with social media yeah. now and just the way well, that things are able to be transferable across different networks. I, I, well, I was just going to say podcasts and online, like we're doing YouTube for the first time. Yeah. Like friggin', I remember first time I found YouTube and it was like, okay, I want to watch funny cat videos or or music videos, right. but now pastor clips and pastors you never meet, never hear of. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite a cool way to get the word across and yeah. get the get the message across. But yeah, that definitely wasn't. Um, it wasn't around when I was. No, you know, so back then it was still definitely like gold medalist is much cooler. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think I think there was also some of my own like selfish ambition and yeah. pride. I mean, I was only a teenager, so. Those um, things go hand in hand. Yeah, just age. just just not really fully understanding um, what God meant by that, and, yeah. and also what that would look like. Um, and so I kind of kept it in my mind. It wasn't like I dismissed it, but I also kind of just kind of was like, uh, I'll kind of put that on the back burner. But it's not really at the forefront. I've yeah. got, you know, I, I felt like I had a clearer picture mm-hmm. of what at least God wanted me to do for the foreseeable future yeah. while I was still young. Um, and so I, I was I was training, um, you know, pretty much full time while I was going to high school, and um, yeah, I mean, ever since I was roughly about thirteen, fourteen, I was training twenty four hours a week, mm-hmm. and I did that f- for the majority of my life until I retired um, from gymnastics right. um, a few years ago. But um, yeah, I was I was training full time, and I was committed. Um, and I remember right before I went to university, um, 
I had qualified for the world championships through just various different through my working my way up the ranks and mm-hmm. um, I also competed for um, this is more a little bit of more of a backstory but I was born in Trinidad and Tobago I like backstories man yeah so so um, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago right and that was where I was born and then my family and I migrated to Canada when I was two um, so um, I I decided that it would be really cool if I could compete for my home country. Yeah, you know, on an international stage, I thought that would be just you know, just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, from a practical standpoint, it also allowed me a little bit more um, room as far as the team dynamic because the country was smaller. Yeah, um, I had an easier way to get to my foreseeable goal. Right. Um, whereas going through the Canadian system is a little bit more political and a little bit harder because the talent is better. So it was kind of, yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, it was no, kind of that, just a little bit of. And it's not disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That it, it was just kind of. Um, it's one of those things where it is subjective, and it is you know yeah. to be to be selected amongst a group of individuals it's how do you choose one over the other you know right and so um obviously there's talent that goes into it but um there is a little bit of subjectivity Mm -hmm. but aside from that i just i really always thought that it would be really cool to compete for the country that i was born in yeah just kind of especially because there had been no prior gymnasts um that ever went to the olympics from trinidad that would have been like a first thing for me to accomplish so i thought that would be even cooler of a feat yeah. to do, you know, just to be the first person to do it for the country to kind of cement myself as like, you know, the, the premier guy to do right. that first. I kind of saw that opportunity as more um, valuable to me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, all of that combined, I, I qualified for the uh, the world championships and this was in 2011. And this was the first year that I also started um university Mm -hmm. in the states um so simultaneously i got because i was so advanced in the gymnastics i got a scholarship to go to the university of iowa and compete and train down there so it kind of worked well because i was able to keep my goals of being an olympic hopeful Mm -hmm. but then also kind of work towards getting an education and think about things after you know sports was over because i think i was definitely cognizant of that reality that you know sports doesn't always pan out and it doesn't always last right yeah. like your body can only well it handles so much sports is a young man's game yeah like, really and especially certain ones that take more of a like more of that toll mm-hmm. like I, i'm speaking like i know when i'm very unfit <laughs> <laughs> as as you're talking about all this training i'm like i, I dropped gym after ninth grade uh, <laughs> and the only other time i worked out consistently was the year before the wedding. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. But yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where I was cognizant of, yeah. you know, that this will be ending at some point. So I right. should think about what's what's next because I also had friends on the flip side who didn't really think about the end goal or yeah. you know what happens afterwards and now, you know, They've they've invested so much of their time and resources and energy into this one yeah. thing, and if it doesn't pan out, it's like, well, what do you've got now? You you don't yeah. got an education, so you kind of have to work your way up or work minimum wage for a while while you can go back to school. And it's just, you know, I just I just saw this opportunity as a good mm-hmm. a good step for me. Um, so yeah, it was all of this was happening around the same time going to university, um, and. Uh, 
getting my education and mm-hmm. um, going to the world championships. And it was at the world championships. Um, I, I traveled there with my coach. We were preparing. Um, it was in Japan, so it was like a 12-hour oh, difference. So it was like, <laughs> you know, time zones and yeah. everything, getting used to everything. So, um, but well, yeah. And a very different culture, too. Totally different culture. <laughs> yeah, totally different culture, like getting used to all of that and, you know, trying to prepare myself for the mm-hmm. biggest competition of my life because yeah. the world championships, at least the, this is the way that it works in gymnastics, is the world championships qualify you for the olympics right so the olympics in 2012 were in london and my hopes were that from this 2011 qualifier i could get my way into the 2012 olympics which would be about six or well maybe eight months later in the summer of next Mm -hmm. year of the following year um and so i remember the morning of the competition i woke up everything was feeling good um and i had went to the competition and i was warming up um and I don't know if you know the uh, the vault, the event, the vault, where you run full speed and you uh, propel yourself off of the flat surface. Right. And then you flip and then land. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a full sprint and then you um, kind of push off of the, the I block. I totally peter out like <laughs> two meters into that. <laughs> so I remember I was, I was uh, warming up on that event, just getting ready for the competition. There's about an hour 30 minutes left of the warm-up time before Mm -hmm. we were about to march out and the competition was about to start um and i went uh for my normal warm-up like i normally do but uh as i was flipping upside down i kind of got um spatially lost in the air like i was kind of disoriented right uh, which happens sometimes it Mm -hmm. you know it's just the nature of you know flipping upside down sometimes you just get confused yep um and I, I, I got lost, and uh, while I was twisting, I landed with my left leg Ooh. straight into the ground, and I uh, broke a part of my tibia, oh, dude. the bottom part of my leg. Um, and I remember, you know, that moment. I remember immediately I was thinking, like, I think I said it out loud. The, the, the day is kind of a blur because it's just so, like, it happened so fast. Yeah. But I remember just thinking, like, God, why would you let this happen now? Yeah why why would you allow this to happen to me like everything that you said everything that you showed me in that dream has come true up until this point mm-hmm. and then to take it away just seems like unfair like it seems yeah. cruel um and i remember that was just such a hard thing for me to deal with um i i wasn't able to compete um mm-hmm. with the broken bone so um my coach and i flew out the next day um and yeah, I, I I didn't end up qualifying because yeah. you have to you have to compete and come in the top ninety six right. to qualify. So that was a really difficult season in my life. I think um, mm-hmm. I just made the decision that I wasn't going to be a Christian anymore. I wasn't going to go to church. I just yeah. I was so frustrated with God, and I just didn't have the answers that I wanted. Like I remember asking people around me, you know, why would God do this? Like why do you think? And and nobody seemed to have really a a good answer everyone Mm kind of just seemed to give me the good christian pat on the back like it'll be okay you know you'll you'll the well-meaning platitudes yes and and i don't i have nothing against those people i don't hold anything against they were trying their very hardest but i just think at the time that 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 just wasn't what i wanted to hear i was looking for some yeah like truth or understanding to kind of help me reconcile what i knew and I couldn't find any, and so I was just like so disillusioned in that whole situation. Even if it was like a four-page SmackDown, like Job got, yeah, it still would have been the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I remember that was just a 
a really difficult time. Um, and I, I, it was around that time that I had met um, my wife, Nikki. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she she wasn't um, a believer. She wasn't raised in a Christian home. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted nothing to do with God. So um, we were kind of living together. We were doing our own thing. We would party on the weekends. Um, and we just we just didn't want anything to do with God. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was funny. Um, when I tell this story, most people have kind of that like light bulb, like, and then God said something to me. And, I, you know, it was like, I, I didn't have one of those, those mm-hmm. responses. It was almost as if it was just kind of this like gentle nudging. Yeah. Where like God was just kind of like, I'll give you your space. I'll give you your time. But I know eventually you're going to come back. Yeah. And it was just kind of like this prodigal son moment where yeah. just God just kind of like, as a loving father, he didn't like, he didn't push me. He didn't like condemn me, even though I probably felt really condemned. He yeah. didn't do any of those things. He just kind of lovingly embraced me when I came back. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of like this slow, like God drawing me back to himself. Um, and it was also through the relationships that I came back to the church. It was a, a good friend of mine who became a mentor to me um, while I was in college. He was the strength and conditioning coach for the New York Jets. Um, so this guy was like high profile, yeah. like, you know, elite level guy, kind of same, same kind of tracked as me, same kind mm-hmm. of mindset. And uh, basically, um, not to, to draw this out too long, but he, he basically told the New York Jets coach, Rex Ryan, yeah. he told him, uh, God has called me to ministry and I need to leave my job here. Even though it's like my dream job, I need yeah. to leave it. And the coach sits there and ponders what he just says. And he says, so what you're saying is you want more money. And he tries to throw money in his yeah. face and says, like, you know, what yeah. about what about a six-figure contract? Would that make you stay? And so here's this guy. He's, like, holding his ground. He's like, no, no amount of money is going to make me. Yeah. Like, this is what God wants me to do, so I'm going to do it. And then the coach pauses again, and he goes, if I had known you were so strong in your faith, I would have came to you way earlier. And he just opens up and pours out all this stuff about him. And so just this, his story was just, yeah. it just impacted me because he laid down everything yep. for, for God's calling. And I think at, at the time where I was wrestling with um, truth and answers, he was able to pour into my life and kind of give me um, some answers and, and kind of um, disciple me mm-hmm. in a time when I was really looking for it. Yeah. I just didn't have anybody who, who kind of could speak speak into that situation in my life but i think he was able to yeah um and so yeah just through like the slow leading and and through like you know just meeting with him in the mornings before class for coffee and you know just stuff like that that was that was really how i came back to christ and started serving in the church again um and being uh a, a part of everything yeah um and it's funny as as i started doing that um, I thought that my relationship was over. And so I was thinking, okay, you know, well, if this is what God needs me to do, then this is what God needs me to do. And funny enough, at the same time that I was thinking that, my wife was thinking that too. Yeah. 
which wasn't my wife at the time. She's my girlfriend. <laughs> but she was thinking the same thing. She's like, we yeah. need to live for Christ. Yeah. And so it was this crazy, only God could do this sort of like miracle healing in our relationship. Yeah. Um, because we were both prepared to just say, look, I don't think we should do this anymore because we're both not Christians. But yeah. we both decided, you know what? We're not doing this for each other. We're doing mm. this because we both genuinely want to be followers of Christ. Yeah. And if this relationship can still work because of it, then we'll we'll see where it goes. And yeah, God was really faithful because I, I yeah. mean I think in a different circumstance it probably wouldn't have worked out. But he was really he was really gracious to me and faithful. Um, awesome. And so yeah, just the last little bit was just after I graduated from university um, and I kind of retired and finished up my gymnastics career, I was kind of left of thinking, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. um, and around that time, I remember I was praying and kind of trying to ask God, what's next? Like, what, God, what, what's next? Um, and I remember um, having that thought and that dream about uh, the time where I went to that conference. Yeah. And Which conference was it? It was um, Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's out in um, Coburg. Oh, okay. Coburg. So I used to live um, in Scarborough and Ajax area. So I used to be... I didn't know you were from Toronto. Yeah. I was an East York boy. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so we have that connection. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I was over out on that end right, before right. I moved out to uh, to Burlington and then Hamilton. Right. Yeah, so I was, I was more uh, east... But yeah, I used you were to Easter than East York. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so I used to be over there, and uh, the church that I went to, mm -hmm. that was their closest like camp right. conference uh, for junior highs, and so our church would promote it, and they would say, if you want to do something over the summer, you know, it's a great camp, you should go check it out. Um, so yeah, but I, I remembered. Oh, yep, yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay, so I, okay. I thought I wasn't recording. I was okay. like, no. Okay, good. <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want no, that. Yeah. No. So I remember um, thinking about that um, that dream and that that kind of vision that God had gave me about mm -hmm. I want you to be a pastor, and I thought maybe there's something more to this that I need yeah. to explore. Um, and you know what? It was just kind of it just felt right. I think it was something that I always knew and that I always wanted to do, but just gymnastics was in the way. And um, I think it became something that it wasn't meant to be. I started yeah. to idolize it and I started to yeah. place that as, you know, everything, everything that my life was meant to be was around success, around yeah. achieving that goal. And God was just kind of reminding me that, no, there's more to, mm -hmm. to life than just, you know, success and, you know, attaining goals. Yeah. There's, there's more, there's more to life than that. There's so much more, um, and so, yeah, I, at that time, I uh, applied to McMaster Divinity College in Hamilton. Yep. Um, and I got accepted. And so I did my master's degree in theology. And then... Nice. Yeah, that was, that was a <laughs> big step. Yeah. Um, that was a huge step, but I think it was one that I was ready to take. And it kind of... It also just confirmed in me, like, just this love for scripture and this yeah. passion for for God that I had kind of forgotten about because of just so much time with um, sports and invested in that. Um, it just really rekindled that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that was the beginning of this year was when I graduated 
and then through connections through MacDiv and through my parents going to St. Clair, I kind of got connected with uh, Matt and Dave. And good then, old Matt and Dave. Yeah, good old Matt and Dave. And then I got, um, yeah, through just relationships, I was yeah. able to, um, I don't know how, become an intern. <laughs> hey, man, it's still great. Um, yeah, so so that was kind of my journey up until this point. But yeah, it was it was definitely a challenging road, with not without its setbacks, oh, obviously, yeah. but I think... But there's there's something good and beautiful in those setbacks. As yeah, sucky as they are to live through at the time, mm-hmm. like you can. The advantage of hindsight is you can actually look back and, Lord willing, he'll actually show you like, hey, look, this wasn't the plan, but here's what you can learn from and what you can take from it. And man, now you got a what, like a story that you can share with people. As you were sharing, I'm like. I think you're the first guest I've ever had who's been like beyond I like to play ping pong or occasionally play baseball in the church league. Like, <laughs> no one who's no offense to any of my guests, I've loved them all. They're all awesome, but none none of us have been like athletically inclined or anything like that where I'm like, this is a whole different kind of story, but there's hmm. still something you can connect to and learn from it, so praise God. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm glad that you know, if anything, my story can be an encouragement to yeah. someone else. You know, yeah. like the, I think that's that's the most rewarding thing about about sharing your story is that oh, yeah. at, at least it could be encouraging to someone who maybe may not even be an athlete but can see, you know, share in the pain and kind yeah. of see the overcoming, um, overcoming the obstacles and kind mm-hmm. of like where I was and where I came to now and just. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing, man. Yeah, uh, you during that awesome sharing, you also answered a bunch of the further <laughs> questions, uh, which actually, in a way, is works great. Just because, uh, dear listener, we are recording this right before our Mish Fam, and we are expecting people in about fifteen to twenty minutes. So, uh, as I look at my phone, which if you're watching on YouTube, you will see has a one cross radio case, which you can find on our Redbubble store. <laughs> nice. Sorry, I just had to do the <laughs> plug. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find the right question. Uh, you've mentioned your, like, is this the first ministry you're involved in? No, so I've been involved in um, a few different ministries. Um, so in the States, when I was going to school in the mm-hmm. States, um, when my wife and I recommitted ourselves to the yeah. Lord and kind of, um, we, we did that. We, uh, we felt it just a drawing to kind of, we wanted more. We didn't want to just attend church. We wanted to kind of pour into other people's lives yeah. and kind of, and kind of do what we're doing now essentially is kind of share a story yeah. and kind of, you know, see if there's other young people in college who could kind of hear our story and maybe benefit from it or learn from it. Um, so we decided to, um, become discipleship group leaders at nice. our church. Um, so we were leading a small group, and we were um, we were doing like discipleship training, and um, yeah, I, I, that was really rewarding for us, especially awesome. working with college age students and just being able to pour into them, especially at a time where there's so much um, out there. Everyone's trying to draw. Um, yep. You know, every everything is trying to draw your attention. It's like friends and parties and alcohol and, you know, and just like school and, yeah. you know, who do you want to be when video you grow games. up? Yeah, video games. Like literally everything is pulling you in one direction or yeah. another. And so it's like, how do we break through to these kids 
who are trying to figure out who they want to be for the rest of their lives yeah and kind of cement christ as the center in all of that so that they have this foundation that will be eternal like that Mm -hmm. that will never leave them that will be kind of their source and their strength that will last them yeah um through the ups and the downs and so i was a part of that um and my wife was a part of that as well and that was just um that was really rewarding so we did that for two years nice um and then we were also a part of a church um kind of in a similar context working with young adults um and we were leaders at um a church previously before we came to St. Clair for two years um, and we were um, on the leadership team with the young adults nice. and we were kind of helping with worship helping with um, various different things and wait so are you also musically gifted um, okay so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say musically gifted I would say <laughs> fake it till you make it <laughs> yeah. All right, fair enough yeah it was it was one of those things I, I didn't mention it but um, around the time that I stopped gymnastics i was kind of like i get all this free time now like like one thing you'll learn about me is that like i always have to have my hands to something like i'm very much like wired to be that way yeah it's hard for me to like sit still and do you gotta be busy yeah i like to be you know working towards something yeah like you know like I, i just have lots of hobbies and lots of things that i like to work towards so nice but yeah music was something that i i've always loved but mm-hmm. I, once again, I just never kind of, yeah, I never oh, had the time. Oh, that wasn't a cue for you. That oh, okay. was totally me. Okay. <laughs> I never had the time to kind of commit to it. Yeah. But then um, I was talking to a really good friend who was a worship leader at the time. And he said, um, he said these words to me, which I'll never forget. I, I remember I was telling him like, oh, I would love to like learn how to play the guitar, but I'm too old. Like, there's no way, like, you know, like to be a really good, like, you know guitar player you got to start when you're like young and take the music lessons and like you know learn all the back stuff uh and he just said you're not too young because he's like he's like sports you can only do till you're like so you know he's like let's say you can only do sports till you're like 30 at a really competitive level he's like you can play music till you're like till your fingers are like have arthritis and he's like he's like stones are still going they might not be good live but they're still going exactly so he's like and when he said that i was like oh yeah like i guess i'm only in my 20s like i could learn how to play an instrument and just keep playing it yeah you know for a long time so yeah i just bought a guitar and tried to fumble through (laughs) (laughs) learning and yeah yeah i it's been about four four years now. So nice. yeah. Nice. So I kinda so we were we were kinda helping with that and my wife is more the musician than I am. She's mm. a great singer. Awesome. A really great singer. And she's been uh she's been really involved in worship leading. Nice. She's more of the leader. I kind of assist her. Right. Um and it's just a fun thing we get to do together. But yeah, she's nice. a she's a great worship leader. Awesome, man. So yeah, we've been we've been involved in Cool. Yeah. No. I, different. Yeah. A couple I didn't different know. And it's, yeah. It's, it's fun being involved in different ministries and at different churches just to see different takes, learn, grow. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely. It's definitely interesting. Even just like, you know, the dynamic between like churches in the U.S. and churches here. I would. And you're jumping ahead, sir. That you, was legit. My next. Oh, question. okay. You know, just the, just thinking about just the differences yeah, between yeah. you know cultures and I. I we tend to generalize the West as like, you know, Canada and the U S like, mm-hmm. and the UK kind of just this general yeah. like area. But 
even amidst that, there's yeah. differences, you know, oh from goodness. Canada to the U.S. And just, you know, when you really get into it, you start to realize the differences are much deeper rooted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting um, being a part of American culture. Um, and this is kind of outside of the church, but just something that I kind of noticed was just like... Um, Canada is a very accepting and tolerant country of uh, different religions, yeah. different races, different backgrounds. Um, whereas the U.S. is very um, opinionated when it comes to certain issues about race and about um, you know beliefs. Yeah. And so it was quite different in that in that sense. In that there was almost this palpable sense of tension yeah. between certain groups. Whereas that might've been something that I'm, I may not have noticed in Canada. Like I'm, I would have had a completely blind eye to it because that wouldn't have been on my radar, well, but it came yeah. up, it came up more in the States and I almost was taken like by surprise yeah. at it because other people were familiar to it. Other people who had grown up there yeah. were like, oh, this is the norm. But to me, it was completely foreign. I was like, oh, this is strange. Well, like, and not like it justifies or saying bad about either of these places, but like growing up in Scarborough and Toronto, Toronto is like hugely multicultural. Absolutely. Like I'm pretty sure at this point, like Asians are the majority and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it's just the example of like, there's, I guess that's why to me, even as a white person, when I come out to areas outside of toronto and i've lived out of toronto now for about three or four years almost <laughs> and as i hear this stuff where it's like oh there's all this tension from white people i'm like what yeah just because i'm used to toronto where yeah. it was very multicultural where it's like absolutely not nah, we weren't the majority of the classroom yeah. like, and then yeah. i guess going to a place like iowa i'm not knocking iowa but so far as i know it's not a multicultural like hugely multicultural place so that mm -hmm. would i could only imagine what? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I, I think Iowa on the scale of, like, states, mm -hmm. it's very, very, um, I, I wouldn't say they're very, like, um, aggressive or, like, oh, yeah, no. they, because they're more Midwest, they tend to be, like, um, tolerant and the, the only uh, aggressive thing i know that comes out of iowa is slipknot i wouldn't recommend yeah. listening to them yeah. <laughs> but their music is quite angry so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but it was it was it was just kind of that was kind of a, a difference for me that, yeah. that i kind of picked up on um and that i noticed was mm -hmm. just kind of that that underlying tension yeah and i i almost um i just felt like it was just a lot of like unresolved issues that kind of just got swept under the carpet um and then and it, they just fester and they just fester right yeah. like because nobody it's like you're walking on eggshells because nobody wants to deal with it because they know it's going to be difficult yeah but it needs to be dealt with in order to fully be eradicated but you know it, it seems like it's kind of a joined effort um yeah and it'll take a lot of a, a lot of confessing and repentance in order for that to a to, lot of grace a lot of grace <laughs> yeah. yeah in order to be in order to be healed because i mean even when you think about just the historical backgrounds of canada and, mm -hmm. and the u.s vastly different right like just the nature of of the american civil war yeah and kind of all of the things that took place during that time there wasn't quite the civil war in canada to that degree no 
No. So it was like... We, burn, we take credit for burning down the White House, but let's also be honest, it was mostly the British people. Right. Until it's time to claim that historical historical fact, then it was us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, we... Heck, we still got great relations with Britain. There, right? The Queen's still on our money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it was. It was just kind of. It, it's a. It's there are some differences. Yeah. Um, I mean, who's to say which one's better or which oh. one's worse? But uh, there was. Those are just the some of the things that. Yeah. That was definitely something that I noticed. Yeah. Um, did, did that impact the church at all? I guess like that's. I again like I. Mm, I'm word vomiting. Um, Like the church I went to in Toronto was Calvary. Very multicultural. Mm -hmm. Uh, Huge emphasis on missions and world missions. So we did have a lot of cultures there. And then St. Clair, I admit, I haven't been on a Sunday morning in a while. Uh, Chris. But (laughs) uh, like even there, I noticed like it is cross-generational. It's it's fairly multicultural. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I would I would say that I feel like it did leak into the church a little bit. Mm. Um, I think I would be lying to say that it, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's really difficult um, to maybe point a finger on, like, specific issues yeah. because I may not have been quite aware of them. Yeah. But I remember... I remember just maybe not so much racially but politically too also oh that was <laughs> that was also that was also a really um just a difficult thing yeah. to kind of um to deal with yeah um I, when i went to school um obama was was the president yeah um and uh yeah just just kind of this big tension you know yeah, between like, uh... um Hi, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Just this big tension between, um, especially for for um, black voters yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, there was a big tension for them between you know, do I vote for someone that may align more with my beliefs, mm-hmm. or do I vote for someone who is more who looks like me yeah and who would be progressive in the sense that it would bring change in that it never has happened before and they would be the first one to kind of mark change for all people of our culture and so they they were in a really tough spot as far as who like and going with that that's not inherently wrong no and and what's the what's the greater of the two you know it was just kind of you know so i think that was definitely um a, a real you know conflict yeah um i i don't think it, it showed itself too much in the church but i i knew some people who who did um did have those kind of questions and concerns um and then also too i think coming back to just the social media thing it was kind of the rot like you know the last few years has been this rise of all these different various forms of social media Whoa. um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and that tension, I can only imagine. And then, heck, it even gets tense now with the thing I've noticed up in Canada, thankfully not at St. Clair, and also not at uh, my former Church of Calvary, but politics. It's it's seeping into everything, mm-hmm. and I've noticed in Canada, at least out of the stuff I noticed, that's where it's seeping in as well. Yeah. Where it's stuff I've talked about with my cousin Sam, who's from the UK, 
the amount of times I've heard like a a conservative vote is a Christian vote where it's like, right. (laughs) uh, But that's a whole other kettle of fish as the weird expression goes. Um, Unfortunately, we do have to wrap this up. But like I just said, this will be a uh, dear listener. We are going to have Will back. We will have a part two because this has been great. And I feel like we could go for at least a couple hours, (laughs) but we we got Mish Fam in just a couple minutes. So um, yeah. So I guess the final question I'll have for you today, because I'm going to ask you the other ones next time, is what would you say to someone thinking about pursuing a career, um, I know the other term is vocation, but pursuing a career slash vocation in ministry? Yeah, I would say um, just do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if if you have that, call and that draw and that sense from the Lord that you should do it I think the best thing that you can do is be obedient to him and kind of just you know follow in the footsteps that he's kind of awesome guiding you towards mm-hmm. um, or the path that he's leading you towards because I mean ultimately I think you'll find your greatest fulfillment and joy when you're in your calling Mm-hmm. When you're truly doing what you're meant to do on this earth is when you find your most the most joy. Yeah. Um, and so, you you could probably I'm sure there's other professions you could probably do and be relatively successful. You know, you yeah. could probably go and get a job somewhere and make money and you know well, live, that's live a happy life. Unless but, you're doing prosperity gospel, you don't make money in ministry. Right. So <laughs> don't do prosperity gospel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you so you know you could you could probably get by yeah doing something else and be relatively you know make make a good life for yourself mm-hmm. but would you be happy and fulfilled in your calling probably not yeah so i would say the best thing to do would be be obedient to god and then um yeah just be faithful to him and he will he would continue to guide your steps yep all right dear listener thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed today we will have will back another time and my wife is coming in the door so luna's about to bark hope you guys have a wonderful day hope you enjoyed today's episode and looking forward to part two my friend looking forward to it awesome god bless my friends and take care peace